0: Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another edition. I think most of you know that in my experience using IFS in conjunction with financial therapy, which I've coined the term IFS-informed financial therapy, is one of the more effective methodologies in helping clients resolve money issues now i need to put in a huge disclaimer (laughs) i am not a licensed therapist and so i don't know i mean i know of the other modalities narrative theory psychodrama cbt etc etc i think there's probably nine or a dozen so I'm speaking from a very small sample group of one. I have been, I've worked alongside a therapist for over a decade. I've been involved as a co-facilitator in a lot of financial therapy. So I will say in my experience, I have watched people progress a lot faster in resolving money issues using IFS. And recently I did something that really underscored this in almost a disturbing way to me, and I'll explain what I mean by that. But I did an interview with the editor of Parts & Self. Parts & Self is the new name of the international IFS online magazine that used to be called Outlook. So this happened in that uh, the founder, Dick Schwartz, is familiar with my work and mention it to the president or the head of the foundation who then mentioned it to helen who's the new editor of parts and self so we set up a time to do an interview on what is this thing ifs informed financial therapy so i want to underscore that this was an interview and she asked if we could take the interview and that maybe we could do some type of a demonstration of what uh, how IFS might be applied. And so I said, um, sure, yeah, we can go wherever it goes. So because this was an interview and this interview can be seen on uh, partsandself.org, I believe is the site, the whole thing. The first half is pretty much me explaining what IFS informed financial therapy is. The second got into discussing and exploring a part of Helen. That love to buy art tools. So this wasn't a normal IFS session. And if you go and watch this, I really want to underscore that. And you'll see me (laughs) underscoring that in the video. It did not follow the textbook process of the IFS protocol. So it was more of a coaching session for Helen to showcase to the readers of parts and self what financial therapy with an IFS overlay might look like. And recently, a couple months ago, I did a demonstration of IFS informed financial therapy at the Financial Therapy Association in Denver. And I had recorded a number of demos or me doing financial therapy with some folks, where the session was followed the protocol of an ifs what i call a parts session where we did the ifs protocol and in both of them there were what's called unburdenings where the really traumatized part was unburdened and i'm not going to get into what that means a lot if you have ifs you know what that means but i selected this particular video to show as my demo which wasn't a demo of ifs I I, I want to say it all. You know, it definitely had aspects of it. But why? Because it really encapsulized the power of the IFS process. It had an impactful impact, impactful impact, (laughs) on uh, Helen. And I think you'll see that. So the focus of this last half of this session was on how could... Helen uh, apply ifs to a money issue which was a pattern of buying art supplies and tools that she stockpiled but never or rarely used and so you know this isn't an isn't unfamiliar to helen's specific situation but it basically was uh, somewhat of an issue of overspending or quote an illogical end quote <clears throat> spending on tools that were never used but of course we know that every financial behavior makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying money beliefs and money scripts so usually i mean it can take weeks and months for a person even using ifs to get to the ahas that oh wow uh, i get it unburdening parts which will actually change a behavior an aha is important but what's really important is changing or modifying the behavior as with most therapy there's not a lot of quick fixes with ifs informed financial therapy but i was completely taken back how quickly helen worked through the whole process of realizing that the part of her buying the supplies was protecting an exiled young part of her a wounded part of her, for whom art supplies were a proxy for receiving her parents' love. And she very quickly discovered that she could show love to that part now by connecting it to herself, in IFS speak, that's unblending, by connecting it to self, with a capital S, which eliminates the need of the tool-buying protector, To continue to buy tools and freeze that protector up to look for opportunities to do a new job a new role or to use the stockpile tools or instead or i think she said to tidy up the tools and so it was pretty impressive the days and the weeks following our session based on emails that helen sent me like two days after this she sent an email and she said i just went out to the supermarket and i was another person I believe this is connected to our talking to the tools part. I find that completely bonkers. I also did look online at something to buy and I didn't buy it. No intention, just an internal discussion between parts. End quote. Well, that's pretty amazing. (laughs) Because we know that money symptoms are not about the money. It's never about the money, right? Two weeks later. Got another email. And these are approved. Helen has approved me sharing these parts of the email with you. I continue not to buy tools. I can't really explain it. But there's been a shift since our session. Subtle, but with real world outcomes. Wow. Two weeks after that, another email. I'm great. This is a miracle. All in caps. I have increased my savings due to having bought no new tools and only a very few cheap books since we spoke, end quote. I mean, wow, wow. Like with me, it's like, wait a minute, Helen, you're not allowed <laughs> to have this type of transformation off of an interview that wasn't a full IFS session. Now, obviously, I'm revealing my very rigid parts, right? My very process part. I'm an Enneagram type one, and we go by the rules, right? I mean, I think I've said it before, I don't know, on the podcast, that in one of my early days of being in, in retreats, trainings with uh, the founder of IFS, Dick Schwartz, <laughs> I saw him do a demo, which he did every day, and I raised my hand, and I says, Dick, how come you didn't follow the protocol and he looked at me it was kind of like did i just hear you say what you said and he said rick i am the protocol or i am the model i that was it i said you didn't follow the model dick and he says rick i am the model (laughs) and what i didn't know during that time was that a lot of things can happen a lot of the steps of the ifs model can happen almost spontaneously and the mature ifs practitioner knows this like anything you know when you're new you're learning the steps you're learning the notes to the song everything is kind of scripted and effortful Uh, same thing i suppose in learning the uh, lines to a play But the more and more you practice them, the more and more you get used to them, you can uh, then begin to internalize, and you don't have to worry about following the steps and following the script, because it's just flowing, all right? So, I say that because part of this is my own inexperience. I mean, I, I was so taken aback and disturbed by this experience that I took it to supervision, which when you are a therapist of sorts even a financial therapist it's really good for you to have quote your own therapist as such who is giving you input on your therapy skills and practice and and on what's called the self of the therapist what's coming up for you so that was kind of my experience with this and so i I have seen people definitely make progress and gain understanding around their financial uh, issues with IFS. I've seen them make measurable and specific changes in their financial behavior. I mean, I'm thinking of one client who had been unable to save and began and maintained consistent monthly savings when she'd never been able to save. And another client who began to invest for retirement and others that made uh, conscious choices and taking actions around their giving, their spending, and employment in areas that they have been frozen in indecision. So definitely I've seen this work very, very positively. And I think I had a podcast on this early on, but uh, maybe it'd be helpful just to explain that IFS-Informed Financial Therapy still to this Time, I'm the only person I know doing this, and the only reason is that a whole host of, of people that have the uh, financial education and training can't get trained in IFS. IFS is one of the the most popular modalities right now in mental health. Uh, there may be around somewhere around fifteen thousand people on a waiting list, and they literally have a lottery to get into a training. I had one employee of mine put in 13 times and uh, for a training and has yet to be drawn. So that's very frustrating to me because I don't advertise that I do financial therapy. I mean, I personally can only handle six clients because I have a financial planning firm that I run and I don't have anybody, any of my um, contractors, or employees to whom I can refer people wanting IFS-informed financial therapy because they can't get trained. So that's my wine for the day. But in IFS financial therapy, uh, typically, I mean, people have some type of financial concern that brings them to financial therapy. And it's usually a financial issue that isn't being resolved by gaining more knowledge. And I think that's the key. Uh, people ask me a lot, well, how do I know I need financial therapy. How do I know that a client needs financial therapy? And basically, I just say it's whenever they're stuck, whenever cognitive, more knowledge, more cognitive understanding is not moving the needle needle. It's not altering the behavior. So uh, typically, uh, you will send questionnaires on specific financial situations. I love using the chaos, the CAM si-r evaluation which is the cons money script inventory evaluation which i also sent helen before our uh, interview things like this can really help inform financial therapy sessions i send folks a very simple balance sheet and income statement just so i have some type of a overview of their financial situations kind of like um with a medical doctor getting some lab tests uh, to see If there's anything showing up there so in financial therapy you can have part of the session sometimes when financial advice is requested but usually we get to a place of what we call a trailhead where someone's stuck or a a money script is really presenting and a person becomes aware of conflicting beliefs conflicting money scripts parts that are polarizing others like, say, with Helen, one part that's saying, hey, let's buy this tool. And another part that's saying, are you kidding me? We don't use these tools. Let's save the money. And uh, all of the difficult emotions that can be part of that. If you watch that demo, a couple of times, I think, Helen was saying that I'm getting emotional. And, of course, that's usually a sign of a little exile poking their head up. So that means a financial therapy session can go from one extreme to the other right because we got financial all about the money and we got therapy which is not about the money so Helen and I did a follow-up session about six weeks after the first video where we actually did a part session and I think it's highly probable we were dealing with this young girl in that session and you can you can also watch that on the website and She preferenced that session with kind of a recap of the initial session. And then after that session, she recapped things again, which is pretty powerful. Those are two of the parts I cut out to present with the demo that I gave at the FTA. So two weeks after the full part session, she wrote, I just don't know what the hell has happened to me. I do feel like I'm a me I don't know very well which is a bit frightening, she said, although acceptable. But I get a sense of it all being just fine and healthy and there's no resistance. I've had a couple of days this week that weren't so easy due to difficult things occurring, but I took all in my stride and I was calm. I feel generally connected. I feel confident like never before. I'm not brilliantly calm, but I am calmer. I do feel clear-headed for sure. I don't think the full extent of the outcome is over. (sighs) That's just powerful. That's two sessions, right? And I do think that one of the most powerful aspects of IFS-informed financial therapy is that clients tend to respond very positively to learning that the parts behind money beliefs or behaviors that appear to be bad or appear to be illogical are motivated by really good intentions. And that once they discover the intention behind that behavior, then the behavior makes perfect sense. So understanding this is really powerful. Understanding that there's good intentions behind hurtful money behaviors is really powerful because of the high level of shame that's associated with money issues. And I think I've said before in the first financial therapy session that Dr. Ted Klontz and I ever gave, Ted told me walking back to to our cabin that there was more shame in that room than in any workshop he had ever done. I said, but Ted, you're a sexual addiction counselor, level three. He says, basically, Rick, let me say it again. There's more shame in that room than any workshop I've ever done. And we know that the shame around the financial burdens comes from, or the money scripts or the behaviors comes from some type of trauma. And it can be financial in nature or not financial in nature. So I think this is powerful. I think it's powerful to learn that problematic money behaviors are not character flaws. They're not something to get rid of that part of ourselves. They are responses to trauma that were developed to protect against emotional pain. And when you, as a client, or you, as a practitioner, can really underscore or understand this, it goes a long way to reducing the self-blame and the self-shame around this, and strengthen uh, the belief, the possibility, the hope. That change is possible so you know why did i use the first session of this interview and not the part session when i gave the demo well the first session with helen was an abbreviated form a coaching form of ifs it served as such a vivid demonstration that there's times in ifs informed financial therapy when it may not be necessary to go through every step of the ifs protocol Because clients can leap ahead with emotional insights. And when this happens, I've learned that as the therapist, as the practitioner, IFS practitioner, I am not a therapist, but in the therapist role is to follow where the client leads. And myself having the flexibility to focus on the outcome (laughs) rather than checking off every step of the protocol. Helen has reported to me that the conversation and the session that we did has continued to subtly but continually support self-leadership and that this has made her life much easier in many ways, not just in respect to her attitude to finances. And that is just so cool. She has told me that she's very surprised that work with a focus on finance can touch her inner world so widely and deeply and you know that's just so affirming to me because we have a lot of theories about things work but this wasn't this wasn't a theory she's uh, told me that she's now convinced and impressed by ifs that it's a way to improve one's life and live better and she also assured me that the flexibility i showed as she flew through the protocols in a way that they didn't necessarily particularly show themselves i mean she was flying through them was the key to healing and uh, this new relationship that she came up with parts of herself uh, basically she was really hungry to change and that was one reason she was able to move through this so closely and she also says because i wasn't rigid in saying wait a minute you can't do that stop we gotta back up we're not going through the ifs model so this was a, a real learning experience for me. I think I got as much out of it as uh, Helen probably did. So I just wanted to share that with you, that kind of the backstory behind that experience. It was just really powerful, and I'm sure it will continue to be teaching and informing me in my process as much as Helen's sure that it's going to continue to give dividends to her. So I hope this has been helpful. If you go view those videos, I think this will put what I said into context. And again, that address is partsandself.org. Thanks again for joining me. Take care. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.